Uh, we're in a series of messages right now. We're actually at the last message yeah. this morning. The series is called The Messengers, and we've spent five weeks talking about five messengers from the book of Acts that God used to powerfully send out his gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And in each one of these messengers, we've been able to see a lesson from that messenger that God wants us to learn that will help us be the messengers that God has called us to be, the witnesses that God has called us to be as his church. And this is such an important uh, thing for us to consider at all times, but it's especially important for us to consider right now with the Easter uh, celebration approaching because we know that many more people are inclined to have a spiritual conversation or to connect with someone to go to church around the Easter holiday. So this is a great time for us to consider what it means to be his messengers. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, would you open with us to Acts chapter 18? Acts chapter 18, and we're going to begin in verse 24. And while you open your Bible to that, I want to introduce you to our messengers this morning. The messengers this morning are, this is the first time that this has been the case. It's a couple. It's a married couple in the scriptures, Priscilla and Aquila. And their, their names actually appear several times, six times in the New Testament. They were a vital part of the ministry of Paul. And as we read this story this morning, what you're going to see is that there's, there's this focus on this man, this apologist named Apollos. But what you're going to see is how Aquila and Priscilla were just ordinary couple that believed the gospel, believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, and trusted God to use them in a mighty way. Apollos has these special giftings. We're going to look at this and see, man, he was eloquent in his speech. He was great at public ministry. Priscilla and Aquila, they weren't, they weren't quite the same way, but they had been discipled by Paul, and in their life they had become people full of faith, people who were very stable, and God used them as everyday messengers. Everyday messengers is, is how the Lord used this couple. So I want to present the story to you. And then what we're going to do, just kind of the, the flow, is we're going, to talk, we're going to present this story. And then we're going to talk about the story a little bit. And then we're going to look at four things that God wants us to learn that are present in Aquila and Priscilla that we can learn about being the messengers that God wants us to be. So let's jump into this story right now in Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 24 through the end of the chapter. So the scripture says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. And I want you to note that phrase, the baptism of John. We'll come back to that. And talk about that phrase a little bit. But here's what we can understand. Apollos, when he came in this area, he was already a great public speaker. He already knew the way of the Lord, but there was a gap in his understanding. There was something Apollos didn't understand about the gospel. So it continues on. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. He was a Jew, so that makes sense. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, 
He greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So Aquila and Priscilla, just a little background on them. Uh, they originally lived in Italy, and uh, Aquila was a Jew, Priscilla was not. And persecution against the Jews broke out in Italy. And the persecution against the Jews was so intense that they decided and many others decided to flee from Italy and they ended up landing in Corinth and they established their home and their business in Corinth and they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, their business was tent making. Well, the Apostle Paul came to Corinth and that's where he met Aquila and Priscilla was in Corinth and they hit it off. And they had a place where it was comfortable for Paul to stay. And so Paul actually moved in and lived with them for 18 months. Can you imagine being a host or a hostess to the Apostle Paul? And so during that period of time, I can only imagine the table talk conversations that they had, the stories that they heard the Apostle Paul tell them about. I mean, this was on their, his third missionary journey. And so he had so many experiences, many of which which we have in the book of Acts, that had to be remarkable just to be sitting around the table talking to him. So they, they bonded together as a ministry team, and, and Paul relied upon their assistance in such a way that when he decided to go back towards Syria, he was going to pass through the churches that he had already been to. He, he decided to take Priscilla and Aquila with him, and, and so they end up, in the church at Ephesus together for a short period of time. And when they end up there, Paul uh, introduces them there, and they become leaders in the church at Ephesus pretty quickly because of Paul's influence, you know, obviously. And then Paul decides to move on from Ephesus. He's actually headed back to Jerusalem. This is his last missionary journey. Headed back to Jerusalem to give a report to the apostles there of his third missionary journey. And so here you have Aquila and Priscilla. They're in this church in Ephesus, and they're relatively new to the church. And then all of a sudden, this dynamic speaker comes and begins to teach the church. And they see in his teaching, he's, he's got some gaps. Yeah, they could understand that for sure. I mean, this is a dynamic guy. Apollo says, we know from other references to him in the scripture, that he was incredible when it came to his knowledge of the scripture and his ability to prove that Jesus was the Messiah from the prophecies of scripture. But they hear something that's not quite right, and so they pull him aside and they correct him. Yeah, and that says a lot about Aquila and Priscilla and their discipleship under Paul that they would be able to recognize in this really eloquent speaker who's really presenting the scriptures well, but they're hearing these gaps. And so Apollos comes through, and uh, the scripture says that Apollos was a Jew from Alexandria, and that he was mighty in the scriptures, and that he spoke in the synagogue there in Ephesus, but that he only knew the baptism of John. That's what it says, that he only knew the baptism of John. And that's a strange phrase in the scriptures. He only knew the baptism of John. So what is that, the baptism of John? Well, Apollos obviously knew, as you look at the context, he knew the good news that Jesus Christ had come. And he knew that Jesus Christ had fulfilled uh, John the Baptist's prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. He knew that Jesus Christ had come and fulfilled 
the other prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. But what was missing in his knowledge, the way it's described, is he only knew the baptism of John. Mm -hmm. Well, he knew the baptism of John, and that's what he was presenting to the people that they should do in response to the message that he was preaching. Mm -hmm. Well, they saw, Priscilla and Aquila said, wait a minute. You know, there's something not right here. He's teaching them the baptism of John, but he's not teaching them the baptism of Jesus. Mm -hmm. The baptism of Jesus, according to John, was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because John had said about the Messiah when he comes, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so... That's what was going on. Okay, so we have this baptism of John, and, and we want to understand what this was a little better. And what we talk about when we're talking about understanding Bible phrases, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So if the Bible answers the question, before I turn to any other source, I'm going to turn to the Bible. And so Acts chapter 18, we have this phrase, the baptism of John in this story of Apollos. Where well else do we have this phrase? If you have your Bible right there, go to the very next verse, all right? We're going to look at Acts chapter 19 and, and continue to consider this. So Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7, we have a story about Paul encountering some disciples, okay? And this is happening at Corinth or at Ephesus. And so it says, and it happened that while Apollos was still at Corinth, Paul passed through in the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So this is a diagnostic question. He's asking them some, some questions about their faith. And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So that's pretty telling about where they're at in their faith and their understanding of the gospel. And so Paul says to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. So there we have the phrase again, the baptism of John. How did Paul respond? Well, he gives a definition. He defines the baptism of John. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there's the baptism of John, and now we have the baptism of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Do you recognize that? When the first believers at Pentecost received the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit came on them, what did they do? They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. When Cornelius, the first uncircumcised Jew, came to, I mean Gentile, came to receive the Holy Spirit, what did he and his household do? They prophesied and they spoke in tongues. Well, here it is happening again when these disciples received the Holy Spirit for the first time. And there were about 12 men in all. So Paul gives us... A definition of the baptism of John he says it's a baptism of repentance but it's a baptism about the one who was to come after him it's a baptism about Jesus yeah John's baptism was a baptism of repentance in preparation for the first coming of Jesus right uh, Jesus's baptism was a baptism of whole of the Holy Spirit that was in preparation for his second coming mm. So John prepared for the first coming. That baptism prepared him for the first coming of Jesus. Jesus' own baptism of the Holy Spirit, it prepares us for 
his second coming and the Lord knew we needed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and Priscilla and Aquila knew that Apollos needed yeah. this knowledge. Paul knew that we needed this knowledge about the Holy Spirit. You see, Apollos was a leader in the church. He was speaking publicly. He was talking about the scriptures and talking about Jesus. And so as he was talking uh, to those people, he was leading people to be baptized under John's baptism, a sign of repentance and faith in the first coming of Jesus. But he was not leading the new disciples to be baptized into Jesus' baptism, which was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about an understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it was important to Priscilla and Aquila Aquila that uh, Apollos understand this truth. But Apollos, since he didn't understand the truth, when he would go in and teach, he was, as a result of preaching John's baptism, he was creating the kind of disciples that Paul found in Ephesus in Acts 19. Those disciples who knew the baptism of John, but did not know the baptism of Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and this particular error is not something that just happened to Apollos and these 12 guys. Uh, This is a very common error that's present in the body of Christ today, where leaders in the church do not lead the members of the church to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as a result, there is a gap in our teaching, and it leads to all kinds of problems that go unresolved because the power of the Holy Spirit is so critical to our personal lives and our personal walk with God. So the error that we see in the teaching of Apollos was an error of omission. Right. That's what it was, an error of omission. And what he was neglecting was this doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was important when Priscilla and Aquila heard it. And it was so important to them that they felt that they needed to pull Apollos aside and explain to him the way more accurately. And that's what they did. So why is this particular doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit so important to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we don't have time to focus on this the way I would like to today, but I do want to draw your attention just to a few aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. And I'll just take it right out of the scripture and give you some verses that you can go back and look to as far as the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's impossible to be a powerful messenger for Christ apart from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come Mm -hmm. upon you. It's an assumption that you will be a powerful witness if the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make us powerful witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll never be powerful witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ unless we understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And We have in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and over in Romans list of the gifts of the Spirit and how vital the gifts of the Spirit are to the edification of the other members of the church. And so if we don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're going to neglect, we're going to miss out on the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Spirit. It's impossible to triumph over sin and Satan without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And that doctrine, that's understanding the the work of the Spirit in our souls and in our lives. 
And this is described in Romans 6, 1 through 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Galatians 2, 20. It's all about the ministry of the Spirit in our lives and enabling us to overcome sin. Jesus judicially sets us free from slavery to sin. The, you know, the moment that we receive him as our personal Lord and Savior, right. the power of sin is broken in our lives. But we still live in the flesh, and the law of the sin is in our members. And if we don't understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we'll find ourselves still subject to many sins in our members that the Lord doesn't want us to be subject to any longer. It's impossible to exercise or experience, I'm sorry, a new identity without an understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That new identity in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things become new. If we don't understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we'll never claim our new identity in Christ. We'll continue to try to find our identity out there somewhere in the world rather than finding our true identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's impossible for your soul to be satisfied in God without an understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a story in John chapter 7. It's about this Samaritan woman. And she was trying to satisfy the needs of her soul, the desires of her soul, with relationships to other men. And she had been married like five times, and the guy she was with at that moment wasn't her husband. And that's what we do as human beings. You need to understand something. You are a tripart being. And as a tripart being, you have spirit, soul, and body. And your soul has desires and needs just like your body does. Yeah. And so what did he say, Brandon, to that woman at the, at the well in Samaria? It, it's the fulfillment of this promise that Jesus gave, that out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, what he's saying is, if you believe in me, because of the ministry of my spirit in you, I will satisfy all the needs of your soul. I wonder, do you know what the needs of your soul are? I mean, if I asked you, what are the desires of your body, what would you say? Well, it's getting late, Pastor. We need to get out of here and get to lunch, is what you would say. <laughs> you know? And so you have a desire to eat. Well, that's a desire of your body, right? And there's other desires of your body that we can list, but do you know what the desires of your soul are well one of those desires is a desire to be loved yeah your soul you desire to be loved and you've been made in the image of God to be loved but also to be a vessel of love well where's that love come from well I guarantee you there's only one way to satisfy that desire to be loved and fully satisfy it and that's in God yes. but if you don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit You'll find yourself not satisfying your desire to be loved with, with God. You'll find yourself going out into the world and trying to find that desire to be loved here and there and there. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to meet people that will love you, but they're always going to disappoint you. Yeah. Because human beings are what? Flawed. Fallen. Human beings. You know, I don't make a good God to anybody. Hmm. There's only one who makes a good God. And he satisfies our soul, the needs and the desires of our soul. But we better understand the ministry of the work of the Holy Spirit 
or we're going to miss out on that as believers. Yeah. And then we're just going to be like everyone else in the world. You know, we're going to go, hey, that was good. I got saved. I'm in Christ now. But you know what? Uh, Christ can't really meet all of my needs. I need to go out and do this. I need to find my identity in this. I need to go out and do this. No, you don't. You need to discover what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means and how he can satisfy the needs and the desires of your soul. Amen. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Was Jesus lying or was he telling the truth? Oh, you didn't answer me. I better tell it. He's telling the truth. He is. <laughs> it's the truth. He can satisfy your soul. Yeah. You know, when... Dennis Jernigan realized this many years ago during our Jernigan years here. Uh, Seth, he just began to write song after song about this. Who can satisfy, Who can my, satisfy soul? my soul like you? And Dennis had lived a lifestyle of homosexuality, came out of that lifestyle. But he was in a learning process of how to depend upon the Holy Spirit in his life to satisfy the longings of your soul. And I want you to know he got it. Yeah, He got it. And he's still doing that to this day and ministering that to others. And so that's what needs to happen. And that's what we're going to miss out on if we don't understand this whole ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what happens is in this, in this truth of our lives and experience the Holy Spirit, when we don't have faith that God wants to fill us with his Spirit, that God wants us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, what we do is we take a lid and we put a cap on what we believe that God can do in us. We limit God. Can you go back to that slide just before, Christy, the one with the five bullet points? And, and uh, you could even take a picture of this slide, but all these things up here on this screen are ways that, that the Holy Spirit wants to work powerfully in our lives. But what we do is we place a limit on the Holy Spirit. We place a limit on His power. And we believe from the Scripture that there is sufficient truth in God's word to believe every believer has the Holy Spirit he dwells in each one of us but are we all filled with the Holy Spirit at all times I mean I think we could look around and say hmm are we at all times filled with the Holy Spirit we sang it this morning you sang this truth this morning um, come fill my life again you asked for that in the song this morning Holy Spirit come fill my life again who can satisfy my soul but you. And so here's what we want you to meditate on. And then we're going to focus on Aquila and Priscilla who understood this baptism of the Holy Spirit. They understood this, but here's what I want you to focus on and ask the Lord, God, what do you want to teach me through this phrase? It is only through Jesus that our souls can be satisfied. Do you believe that truth? Do you believe that nothing else can satisfy but Jesus? Do you believe that, you, is it your great longing to just take the lid off and to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life? And what that means is that Rachel can minister to your soul and she can minister love to your soul. But I want you to know Rachel cannot satisfy no. the desire and needs of your soul for love. And, when and neither can you do that for her. And she knows that. Yeah. And so you know what? She doesn't put that expectation on you. Yeah. And you don't put that expectation on her. Because if you do that, it's going to create conflict. And but if you both look to God, right? You both yeah. look to God, then you experience God together in a way that you never could experience him apart. So how are you depending on something else to satisfy your soul? What are you turning to? I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, right? Relationships, addiction, uh, your marriage, your kids, 
something you enjoy to do, a hobby. You could be turning to anything to satisfy your soul. Only God. Fame, popularity, money, power, you can name it, you know. Looking to any of those things is going to leave you empty because only the Holy Spirit can meet that need in our soul. And this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of Jesus. It's more than just the baptism of repentance. It's more than just putting our faith in Jesus being the Messiah. It's believing that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit and that God desires to fill us constantly with his Holy Spirit so that we will be his vessels and go and do his work. The baptism is an initiation rite into the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so I've taught people for years that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the first time filling of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And some people think, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be filled again. Have you read the book of Acts? <laughs> I mean, you have the same people being filled over and over again in the book of Acts. It wasn't a one-time deal. You know, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in him. He filled him the first time. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A, a moment of conversion. Yeah, a moment of conversion. That born again. And then he continued, though. They, they saw their need to continue to be satisfied in him. Yeah. And so they continued to seek him, to cry out to him. And in fact, even in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul went so far as to say, don't be drunk with wine. What's wine? What are you doing there? I mean, what's substance abuse or any kind of addiction? All it is is trying to satisfy the needs and desires of your soul in the wrong way. Yeah. That's all it is. So be not drunk with wine, he said in Ephesians 5, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so it's not just a one-time event or experience. There is a beginning, but it continues if we don't place limits upon the Holy Spirit in our life. And I want you to understand something. That's what keeps us from being filled is placing some limits on the Holy Spirit and what he can do in us and through us. Yeah you got to come to a point where you stop listening to various people who are teaching the wrong thing. And you say, I'm not going to put any limits on you, Holy Spirit. You can do with me whatever you want to do through me. Mm. Whatever it is, there's no limits. I'll cooperate with you. And I want you to know, when you trust him and let him... And I understand that that's a fearful thing. Have you read about the Holy Spirit's work in the Bible? I mean, he does some strange things. He does some weird things throughout the Bible. I mean, he transforms people. He empowers people to do supernatural things that they can't do in their own abilities. I mean, it, it, the Holy Spirit's work is radical. It is. That's all I can say. Yeah. You know? And so I understand, yeah, I, I'm not sure I want that. Well, if you don't want it, he's not going to fill anybody who really doesn't want to be filled, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to come to that place where I'm going, no limits, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do through me, whatever you want to do, I'm here. Well, there may be someone here this morning that that's just, that's the word that you need to hear from the Lord. And right now, maybe the greatest work that God wants to do in your heart is that you would just ask him, Lord, fill me again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Satisfy every longing I have in you. Stop causing me, help me not to depend on something else besides you. Because it's only through Jesus that our souls can be satisfied. And his provision for that satisfaction is the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fill us with his Holy Spirit. You see, Aquila and Priscilla understood this, so they took Apollos aside and they explained the way of the Lord more accurately to him. They gave him an in-depth understanding of the gospel that they themselves had learned from Paul. This is all in the epistles. Go read it. Paul is difficult to read because he talks about these radical truths of the Holy Spirit and the way that he transforms our lives. And so they had grown into spiritual maturity. Aquila and Priscilla had grown into spiritual maturity so that they were able to pass on 
what they had learned to another brother, even someone who spoke more eloquently than they did, even someone who had a greater public ministry than they had. As a result of the investment of Aquila and Priscilla, Apollos became a significant public messenger of the gospel. Apollos went on to Achaia, where he would effectively refute Jewish opposition to the gospel and powerfully demonstrate through the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And when he went on, he had the full gospel. He understood not just the baptism of John, but he understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to never, we will never know the impact that we will have for the kingdom of God by being a faithful messenger of God to other people, like Aquila and Priscilla were in this story. They were faithful messengers of God to other people. There are people that God chooses and gifts to be his messengers, and they have a public ministry, like Apollos. I mean, you know, what a gift to be able to speak the way he did. We have one coming to our church April 13th. Uh, Dr. Jim Burkett is an eloquent speaker and gifted at apologetics, and he's going to be talking to us. Man, what a gifting. Aren't you grateful for guys like that that can come in and share the truth with us and help us understand in a way that not all of us are gifted to do that. But then there are people that God chooses for ministry, all of us, ordinary, everyday people to be messengers and they're relatively, they're in relative obscurity uh, to people like Apollos, you know, people like Aquila and Priscilla, but their eternal impact can be just as great as those who are seen publicly, those people who just trust the Lord day by day and keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So some people are called to be messengers out front, like Apollos was, and then some people are called to be messengers like Aquila and Priscilla, who at times can even come alongside someone like Apollos who's out front and help them uh, grow in their ministry. Yeah, there's some real examples of that in church history. Absolutely. I mean, have you ever thought about uh, where did Martin Luther learn his theology from that led to the Reformation? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought about who visited Dwight L. Moody at a shoe store and spoke to him about Christ before he was saved? Have you ever considered who was the elderly woman who prayed faithfully for Billy Graham for over 20 years? Have you ever thought about who financed William Carey's ministry to India, which transformed so many lives? Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about who helped John Wesley get underway as a composer of hymns? I'm telling you, it was ordinary people who could do extraordinary things because they were relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Had it not been for these unknown people behind these stories, these nobodies, a large chunk of church history would be missing. A lot of people would have never been reached with the gospel if it weren't for the ordinary messengers behind these extraordinary messengers that God gifted in special ways and with special abilities. I feel like we're supposed to stop right here and uh, just let this sink in. I mean, we have shared with you like a fire hydrant here for a few minutes uh, from this story about the Holy Spirit. But I really believe that it's decision time right now and that you need to consider, are you like Apollos? And you know only the baptism of John? A baptism in water for repentance of sin, faith in the Messiah? Or are you like Aquila and Priscilla? I mean, 
they were, these two people, ordinary people, were powerhouses for God because of their reliance upon the Holy Spirit in their own souls, in their own lives. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you were honest right now with the Lord and you just say, Lord, am I hindering your work in me? Am I limiting your work through me? Because I don't trust you? Am I more concerned about what other people think of me than I am being used of you for your glory and your honor? I think the Lord wants us to stop right now and just be transparent with him because I think he's wanting to do a work today. Mm. A work in which we have grown in our understanding We've been challenged by the, from the word, just like Apollos was, in our understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need to open ourselves up to him in a way that perhaps you've never done before. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can't tell you what the Holy Spirit will do through you. But I know it will be glorious if you'll trust him. You know, it was when I was filled with the Holy Spirit that he called me to the ministry full time. Something happens when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an unusual clarity that comes over me. And I never hear God audibly. Mm-hmm. But it's like all the clutters removed. And in my spirit, I know what His will is when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that happens on a regular basis. Sometimes when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to go talk to somebody. And it's like, if I don't go talk to that person, I'm going to sin. I mean, it's like so compelling, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon me. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he can exercise gifts through us that we don't normally have, Mm -hmm. you know, in our everyday living. And those gifts become a benefit to other people. And some of those gifts are definitely, almost all those gifts are listed in the Scripture. And then, you know, he he can really guide us to really do our part in a way uh, where even practical decisions in our life, Mm -hmm. you know, he can guide us to make those decisions that we wouldn't know without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So don't you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit church? I mean, I really want us to be a Holy Spirit filled church. Mm -hmm. I don't want us just to be practicing the baptism of John. Mm -hmm. I want us to really be in this relationship with the Holy Spirit where he's satisfying all the needs of our souls and we're walking in victory over sin and we're triumphing over sin and we're ministering to others under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We're not trusting in others to fulfill only what the Holy Spirit can do. Yeah. Can we get there? Can we get there as a church? You know, the Lord told me back in, uh, Brandon, back in 84, uh, before I ever arrived here and walked preached the first Sunday he said it's going to be not by my might not by my power but by his spirit that the church was going to grow Mm -hmm. and that's the only way the Lord wants to do it yeah he doesn't want to do it through the strength of man Mm -hmm. he wants to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit he doesn't want to do it through some man's personality he wants to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit as the people of God trust in the Holy Spirit in each one of our individuals lives let's bow in prayer can we do that Mm -hmm. this morning